2: 18 plus. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Rugby World Cup Weekly, our flagship Rugby World Cup 2023 review show. Despite talk of axing scrums, for semi-final opposition and a lopsided draw, this incredible tournament is almost over and we barely had enough time to appreciate it. So joining me tonight are two contributors who need no introduction. Welcome back on to Tom Coleman and to
3: Ed Price. Here's Uh, Cainan. Evening Cainan, evening evening, Tom.
2: It's always good to have you on, as, as always. And we will start with Ed's Nation of England in the tense semi-final, I suppose you could call it. South Africa, hard fought, dogged sixteen fifteen win. Ed, I'll start with you. It's like it's hard not to feel bringland, and that's not even being sarcastic. It, it <laughs> was a, it was a tough loss, but ultimately South Africa just do what they've done for twenty years and just found a way to get it done in a World Cup.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, to start off with, I think people. Are, this is the third time maybe on on your pod, and and um, people who listened to me, the last two times have, have heard me being very downbeat for, about England, and um, I was very downbeat before the semi final. I thought really we weren't going to be anywhere near them. I thought we could be within five ten points of the of them in the last ten. That would be a, a, a real success. So to be leading with three minutes to go, uh, as you can imagine, myself and my mates on the, who do the pod with me, um, were it was borderline. Uh, chaos in our households, um, but fundamentally, those those mistakes cost you. Uh, from Farrell's back chat to the the lack of depth, and maybe even the incorrect selections at, uh, in terms of the players for the World Cup. Uh, you know, people like Billy Vunapola, like Carl Sinclair, there were we had concerns and doubts about them being selected in the first place, and it actually came to, back to bite us. But you can't argue with the game plan and the execution of the game plan. Uh, on, on Saturday night. I mean, Borthwick got it right. And the daft thing is, I think probably pretty much the entire rugby world knew that would be the game plan. It was the yeah. only real way that England could get close to South Africa. Um, but they executed it so perfectly or near perfectly. Um, and it really was just that South African doggedness and and fight, um, certainly in the scrums. And then, you know, a bit of magic from Andre Pala to to, to, to yeah. nail a very difficult kick in those conditions and at that time of the game. So you you can't really say anything other than, you know, there's a huge amount of pride about that England performance. But if we're being serious and honest about it, that was the only way we are going to beat them. And if we'd gone into the final against New Zealand, it probably wouldn't have worked twice. And I don't think we probably would have had anywhere near enough to beat that New Zealand side. So would we want to see that style of rugby again? Probably not what we, what we have got now is maybe a little bit of something to hang on to with the future players that are coming through, uh, like Chesham and Martin, obviously Stewart seems to be back to his, uh, best in that game. It's Hoje. I mean, wow, what a game, what a game, what a performance. And the only sad thing is we're going to lose the likes of Courtney Laws, uh, who again, I think has been immense this, this, this tournament. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ben Earl has, has sort of risen and become a bit of a talisman, despite all of his silly celebrations after a knock-on. Um, and, and, you know, there's the potential for a really ding-dong battle between George Ford and Marcus Smith and even Owen Farrell at 10. Um, and I just one final thing on the England game and the England performance, I'll be criticised. And I mentioned sort of Farrell's back chat and fundamentally it probably ended up costing us in the end. But his performance overall for against Fiji and against South Africa was immense. And the drop goal was nearly, nearly one of those all-time great England moments. But um, an incredible drop goal, incredible piece of skill. And and I think he he was also very magnanimous from the interviews I saw at the end. He seemed to be very magnanimous and, and actually quite open and honest, which is nice to see.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of something that gets bad at on Farrell that you can kind of become bad of in interviews. We've seen it with... I think it was Sonia McLaughlin about two years ago where it was he was really standoffish, but he did take it on the chin. I think he knew that was England playing at their absolute max, and they just got beaten by a better, a better team overall, maybe not on the yeah. night, but but overall, and that's what happens. And Tom, one of the big things that decided this game was was set piece. And I'm gonna quote Jeff Neville of Provincial State of Mind. He says scrums don't matter until they do, and that was the general rule of this game, Oxen Che in particular showed his class, but it just, it highlights, uh, like for all the talk of expansive rugby and how enjoyable rugby is to watch, it just highlights the importance of of set piece in these cup rugby scenarios.
0: It does. Just before I say, i am just following up on Ed about Owen Farrell. I think considering Willie LaRue was acting depressed at full time, he was quite calm. <laughs> he, was quite, <laughs> yeah. he was quite calm. Like he had his right to give him a smack because, uh, yeah, Leroux was a bit... A bit but of, I don't know
2: if you've seen, but R.G. Neyman had about four English lads around him, and just like he did against Australia about five years ago, there was just everyone around him, and he just, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else, watching as everyone kind of goes yeah, to take uh, down the big man.
0: I've never played in a World Cup semi-final, so I don't know the intensity and how wound up it is, but, you know, when you hear what Rico Ioni and Wheeler LaRue is like, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big, uh, you know, you sort of... You're exhausted at the end of the game if you're lost. So getting in a guy's face, you know, I have no time for that whatsoever. Give the chat during the game, but like it's a final whistle. But anyway, yeah, look, you're right. Yeah, I think I think obviously Oxenchain and, and, and I thought he, you know, I know Pollard got a lot of the highlights, but Oxenchain won that game for for South Africa. That said, it shouldn't undermine what Cole and Marler done for the previous yeah. sixty or seventy minutes because Kitsov and and Malerbe weren't a factor in the game. Um and neither was Bungie at 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 Hooker. They you know they put him under pressure in both set piece and both lineups. So so I know Oxen Che was on for the twenty minutes and he was superb. But uh, it doesn't tell the whole story for me the game because England did dominate a lot of the set piece for most of that game and it was what was giving them the footfall. Like Ed's right and you know England had a simple game plan but they paid played it to 110%, and that's what was giving South Africa problems all game. Um, you know, uh, Mitchell's kicking was on point. Um, I thought Farrell's kicking out of hand was a bit iffy. A couple of times it was quite loose. I thought Mitchell's kicking was very, very good. He kept hitting the tram lines and really targeting, um, uh, the South African wingers. And uh, obviously, Freddie Sure had a great game on the back of that because you know he, he gave South Africa nothing on the reverse. Yeah, so like as you mentioned, the set Pete put Ox and Shea, but I, I, you know, Ed touched on it during a sort of opening um Sinclair and Gange who really are the starting props under under Eddie Jones really didn't give them the impetus that they needed for that last 20 minutes when he came on. And and if you don't, if you're not on point, Oxen Shea is such a you know he, he proved against Ireland as well, he's such a strong scrummager. Um and when it's pissing around like that and every you know the meta knock ons was going to be and in, in scrums then it becomes important, but 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 I, but I think overall, if you're looking at the 80 minutes, English English set piece and scrum, obviously the stole lineouts. Um, had mentioned Atosha had a great game. You know that was that was Atosha twenty. You know, 20 You know, we haven't seen yeah. that for a while in in England yeah. or Saracens. Maybe he got a bit disheartened under Jones. I don't know. Um, maybe what went on, but Saracens for a year. But he that definitely his juices were flowing. That was his best game in a long time. That was the, the told you that we'd seen before the last Lions tour. It was like this guy's right up there with Evan Etzebeth. Um George Martin I thought was outstanding. Uh I, I've only seen him once live, and that was actually when Leinster played over in Leicester and he didn't really stand out. But I know that's a difficult, you know difficult game maybe to stand out. Um Jasper Wavisa was quite that day as well. But I thought he played really well. I think he's one for the future. I was surprised. I was a bit shocked. Chesson was on the bench. I was going, what? I don't get Bartwick here. I didn't understand why Chesson. Because I thought, Chesson's been. I know Ireland's got the, the 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 plaudits, but I thought Chesson had a really good World Cup. Um, he really bolstered that um English pack, and and and, and he performed in every game. He even had that little run down the line against. Uh, you'll have to remind me who it was Samoa yeah Samoa. he
3: scored the first try against Samoa yeah
0: he's been brilliant a, I thought he had a very good World Cup I was surprised and I, maybe he didn't have the impact when he came on he might be a starting player rather than you know an impact player a tight headlock but um, yeah a couple of big penalties scrums at the end um, were both Genge and Sinclair were under a bit of pressure and I think I think obviously Bartwick can maybe look at the selections there. Um Ed obviously looks a lot of good more a lot a lot more premiership than I do. And I do watch a bit. I think sinclair has been struggling a bit with his scrummaging for a while. Um and Gange is one of those players, you know, we put him let's put him in the Andrew Porter category. He tends to get away with sometimes the way he scrummages. and even against Ireland he's gotten away with it before on Twickenham. him. And sometimes it eventually catches up with you. Um but uh Oxen chair when he did come on, and um, did you know he's the, he's the last guy you really want to be coming on and, and having difficulties in, in, in a set piece? Yeah. Um, yeah. because he just won. But I suppose a disappointment from England's point of view is uh who who's it was a makeshift hooker at best, was on at the same time, wasn't he? Or was was he still playing? At so he was back row, but he couldn't on yeah. for the whole match, did yeah. Both, yeah,
2: both hookers went to full 80, I think.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> probably. Yeah, they do. I, think, I think South Africa learned a lesson against Ireland in the last ten minutes, where or fifteen minutes, where Fury did go hooker, and was scrummaging, and and South Africa lost that sort of forward momentum that probably would have won them the game, maybe in that last ten minutes, and that they obviously took that learnings and didn't and kept uh, Bongi on for the eighty. But yeah, a lot, really tough last for England Like it doesn't really it doesn't matter how the last four years ago and the. England have had a pretty shit four years and I know as an Irish fan you sort of revel in that for a while. But like at the end of the day it was a World Cup semi-final and it just you know, when you lose when you lose, when you were when you are the better team for I'd say ninety percent of that game, you know, some marginally better because it was a limited game they were playing. I was sort of screaming at them to be a bit more positive. There was times I thought they could have went to the corner. Well, when yeah. I thought, when I thought the emotional I thought when you, you, you touched on out, I thought the coaching box, especially um, Razzie, seemed to his, you know, bipolar decisions on making some of the substitutions of what he was doing. And then I just thought the emotional flow was with England. Every knock on, every 50-50, they were stealing lineouts, And sometimes that's when you need to court to corner. I get they needed to keep the scoreboard ticking over, but I, I felt there was there was a few times in that matches where you just had to grab the game at the balls, go to the corner and try and... Pull up seven because there was, South Africa were nearly on the verge of tipping over a few times, and and but look hindsight's a great
2: thing. Uh, and on that, then I'll come to you first on this one. Ed, like the bench we've talked about about South Africa in when they played Ireland and how important it is. England's bench did feel like they weren't going to be able to. They, they they were being squeezed when they came on. You know, Vonipola yeah. um made a poor attempt of a tackle on Tion allowed him to get goal forward for the try. Two props kind of struggled when they when they came on, which listen, again, Oxenjay and, and Coach did very, very well. Um, Ork Nema did well for South Africa. To be fair, Tresham did all right off the bench and Danny care, but it just kind of felt like when England needed something to change or just to help them over the line, their subs kind of didn't have it where South Africa kind of did.
3: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you go to that that scrum that was in the corner, I think about 61 minutes-ish. So I think we, we put, uh, Fowler pit, pun, punched the ball into the corner. There had been a knock-on.
0: That's right, yeah. Uh,
3: and we had the ball on there five. And it was that scrum. I think Cole and um, Cole had gone off at that point. I like think Marla maybe stayed on for another minute, but uh, all the way around. But anyway, basically, it was that scrum that changed the game. Um, and the the criticism has always been, you mentioned um Tom about Carl Sinkler, his his scrummaging has always been a weak part of his game. He has struggled against technically good good props and powerful props. He gets away with it against pla guys who are a bit maybe a bit lightweight or in a pack which isn't quite as as cohesive as South Africans are. But you're right, and then that quote is a really good one. Um, you know, scrums don't matter until they do. But and I'd I'd also sort of follow that up with you, you very rarely win a game. Or win tournaments just via a scrum but you can lose a game and you can definitely lose tournaments because of yeah. your scrum and and you're right uh kellen the, the um the substitutions that england made i felt they were the right that i thought it was the right thing to do you know south africa were panicking they were taking people off left right and center and and england they were a bit more measured in terms of when they made the substitutions but the key ones for me, obviously, Sinclair and Genge. I mean, Genge I think struggles because he's having to pretty much sc- scrummage two props at one point because Sinclair was so poor. And then, uh, and and then the other one was Vunapola. Um, I mean, he wasn't on very long, but he, he, his his unfortunately his contribution was almost entirely negative. He came on early in the, in the first half as a blood replacement for Curry, and I think the first thing he did was give a penalty away. Um, mm-hmm. Came on in the second half. First thing he did was put up a really poor tackle, as you mentioned, on three, and then gave another penalty away and made mistakes. And then they've obviously knocked on at the end. It, it's, it is difficult because he's been a great player for England. He's been a superb player over the last 15. Well, I mean, this, he's only 30. This is the crazy thing. He's still quite young, but, you know, he's been a great player over the last 12 years uh, for England, the Saracens. He's, he burst on the scene all those years ago, but it, it felt like it's just a tournament too far f- for him. And, and a year too far for him. All those injuries have certainly uh, piled up. He didn't look fit. I mean, mm. when he came on, when he came on, I can't remember if it was the first or second time. I think it was the second time he came on and he, he looked carrying a bit of timber, which
0: I'm doing that. Like a problem.
3: Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's that's the thing. You know, you think of Billy Vinopola as this big powerful machine and it just didn't look like that. And um I think the other the other issue was that outside of Mitchell again, Mitchell had a great game. Um, Very good. Was one it, one poor kick uh, in the first yeah, half where he got it a little minute. bit wrong, but other than that, I think he was absolutely superb. And but we didn't have the depth at scrum half, and that's not really Care or Young's fault. They were pretty much the only ones we had because of um, of Van Phillips' injury. But um, although ironically that let Mitchell in, but we we just don't have that depth in England at scrum half at the moment, or it doesn't feel like it. Um, and then the other bit I think was probably a mistake was i probably, I probably would have taken Jamie George off um, just to freshen up that front row. Um, and it was interesting. I think in the, in the last uh, couple of games, we've seen some of the, the most amazing bits of rugby you've ever seen in your life, but equally probably the worst line out throw in the history of rugby. <laughs> and also the worst kick to kick to touch ever. In it game was very unfortunate, you know, it's just, almost ridiculous some of the some of the most amazing play in the world but also some of the like literally you would struggle to do that on Gloucester 3 on a Saturday in a park pitch it was that bad um I I I think overall within when it comes to England the the and the the selections etc it was always going to be that last tournament for a lot of players I mean I've got in front of me uh, so Jamie George, Dan Cole, Joe Marler, Courtney Laws, Billy Vunapola, Danny Kerr, Ben Youngs, Elliot Daly, Manu Tulani, Johnny May, Owen Farrell. They're all f- over 30. You've got Carl Sinclair and George Ford who are 30 as well. Um, that's a lot of players to yeah. replace. And a lot um, of games,
2: especially in fact, like Farrell has played over two hundred games. Even if he, he looks in great shape at the moment, mm. eventually that's going to catch up on him. And it could well catch up on himself and Ford at the same time, which would be the ultimate disaster if they lost them at the same time.
3: Yeah. I mean, George Ford, I I suppose George Ford has had a nearly a year and a bit out with injury. Now there's two aspects to that. One, it means he's not been through the mill in the same way that Farrell has. I mean, he's had his suspensions, but probably, but not as much as maybe he should have done, but, um, but Ford has had maybe a little bit fresher and also plays a very different game to Farrell. Farrell is a far more combative player, full stop. Ford is a more traditional ten where he can kind of sit at the back and direct. Um, I actually think though in some situations, certain situations though it does now open out to a huge amount of talent that's in the English game that's kind of been suppressed under Eddie Jones mainly. I can't blame Borthwick for this because if you've got six months to change to, yeah. to, to go into a World Cup who are you going to go with? You're going to either go you're just going to use your guys you know and trust or you go sod it we're just going to throw this one away which is kind of what Eddie Jones did with Australia. That's um, what France did in 2019. To be fair, like they
2: yeah. brought in the likes of Entomac, Dupont, Penal, um, lads like that in the very first year. I think Audrey could have been there as well, and and bon. And it worked because they had incredible four years. But also at the same time, they had a very bad 2019. So yeah. like I don't think Bortwick had the leniency to even go for that.
3: No, no, and I, I, I wouldn't. I think for it, it, so a lot of England fans, probably may have given him that slack. But a lot, but equally, there's a lot of people only watched World Cup that's their their knowledge of england is world cups and six nations they don't know about rugby more generally so yeah. it's it's a very difficult thing for you as a coach to say chuck all these players out and then you bring in all these kids we do now have four years where we can actually say look we've got 10 players here 11 players we can bet, who we know are probably going to be retiring either in te- you know personally they're going to say oh well, I'm hanging my boots up internationally or you can quietly move them to the door um but Again, it's, it's there is a lot of talent. I should say that, that you know fundamentally there is a lot of talent here, and I, it's not in the same way that obviously Ireland have been doing this already. They've been building those players through. Um, you've obviously got key ones like Sexton. Who is who is the next player? Who is the next Johnny Sexton? It's not obvious at this point. But with England, you could change the style and we could play Marcus Smith at ten. Now, um, it's not that's not too much of a leap. He's done it before. We can play him there. Um, I think the bigger issue for England is probably pack, front row. Uh, We we are going to have to trust some kids, kids basically, and some young guys. Um, And I think also scrum half, we're just going to have to play around and find that. We might find it. Alex Mitchell could be the scrum half for the next five years. could be somebody else we don't know about yet.
0: You'd you'd hope, just from the outside looking in, that that I'm not saying England don't take the Six Nations seriously. Well, from perception-wise, Eddie Jones seems to, Continually, so under his tenure, seemed to you know the Six Nations was just like a, a, a always a step, a, a, stone, a sort of a stepping stone. Yeah, and you would hope, I presume English fans would like just to get back to the basics as well as going, you know, there's the Six Nations there to be won, you know, because if they, if they, you know, they're good enough to be challenging, you know, four wins out of five, and they're in, are in, in a show for a championship, you know, he won it the first year, and after that, he seemed to. I don't know, if, you know, it's continuously bad results, but and then he brush it off. But yeah, you're you're hoping to get back on the saddle there first.
3: Wait, well, I mean, to, if you, to win the Six Nations now, you have to be, you're going to have to be Ireland, France, Scotland, Wales. I'm not really worried about uh, and and Italy, right? Let's be let's be honest, Italy, they, they've done well, but they've seem to have fallen back. Um, but you're going to have to be Ireland, Scotland, France back to back or near enough back to back, which is basically a World Cup think of it if you think of it, if you think of it that way it's a quarter final semi final final and i think that's how england should look at it we basically build we build into the into it we've got to try or you go for france say we've so got france first game or whatever you just go right this is our final hit that then next week that's another final hit that it's about winning mentality and we haven't had that in english rugby for a while now um and i looked today at the stats you know i think uh, Borthwick's won 8 lost 7 of his internationals so far Um, you you can give them a bit of leeway, hopefully going into the next Six Nations at least. I'd like to be challenging with Ireland and France rather than worrying about, are we going to get a win against Italy or Wales, which would be nice. Being Scotland again would be lovely because it's been a while now and it's really annoying. It's funny
2: you say that. I just looked it up here. Like England start with Italy away, then they've Wales at home, and then you got that rest week. Mm. That's a good start for Borthwick in 2024 compared to, say, Ireland and France is the opening game of the Six Nations like he's got a chance there to, he'll probably have a little bit of wiggle room to experiment and try some things. You know, you'd say, I'm trying to think of a good example, but maybe you see maybe Curry, Willis and Earl as a back row, for example, or maybe a Ludlam and just try different parts and see what works. And then by the time they play Scotland in round three, they'll have an extra week to prepare for that. And then they'll have an extra week to prepare before they play Ireland. There's no reason to suggest that he can't tweak a few things, you know, every little bit over over the four years and still be competitive because he's shown they can still be competitive, even if it's not entertaining rugby. It's still competitive. They still got to World Cup semi-final and ran the possibly tournament favourites to what, three minutes left in the game.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think with, with England as well, I mean, there has to be as I as I mentioned at the right beginning, I, I we need to have a little bit more to our game than just always relying on an amazing kick chase um and and i think that's that was always the worry going into this tournament look fundamentally we can play those conditions probably almost as good as anybody if not better than anyone else we can play those horrible conditions really well but it was very telling when we suddenly had to throw the ball around in the last two and a half minutes no one had a clue what they were doing (laughs) um there was almost no plan there was almost no plan you could clearly see it was like right we just got to kind of hope South could do something stupid and then we get a penalty and, and and that was very telling um, and it was very similar against um, uh, Samoa in the group stage in Fiji as well really actually if we once we tried to start throwing it around a bit we did look a little bit lost
2: and to be fair to Felix Jones one thing that he did at Munster he, he tried to make them a wide wide team it wasn't really working because the centres and the tens they had when he was there but considering Farrell is one of the best passers in rugby in the last 15 years Moving towards just getting it out white, getting into mismatches with maybe it's a Henry Arundel type player or Freddie Stewart who has the strength. They could probably just piece together. But it's about evolution as opposed to revolution. Like they don't need to rip up scripts straight away. They could just evolve. Like that's people don't like it, but that's perfectly fine in in these four year cycles.
3: Yeah, and and I mean, just help. It might help that Arundel and Farrell might be on talking terms by that point as well. allegedly, <laughs> allegedly.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, one, one rumour was the RFU and the other rumour was Farrell I don't know which one is scarier <laughs> your employer <laughs> or your captain Like, um, Tom we'll just touch on South Africa again because they, they were again maybe not over 80 minutes the worldly victors but they do deserve their place in the final based on how the tournament has gone like it feels like this was always going to be a game that they kind of regressed a little bit because of the emotional energy of, of last week and the sixth day turnaround, but you still feel like, they're, like they're they're not, they're not a bad team, but there is certainly elements of, you know maybe a few concerns here and there because it was, it was a panicky performance at the weekend, and if maybe if they don't get into that lead, or get into kind of controlling the game, it could get panicky and it could start to unravel next weekend. Yeah, I
0: think oh, if you caught a spade a spade, I think. You've seen how good South Africa were against Ireland. I know they ended up losing that game, and how good they were against France. So, but equally, you can flip the coin, and they were awful last night. And they were lucky to get out of jail. And a better team, a more rounded team, i will say, than England would have beaten them. And France, Ireland, and and uh, and and New Zealand would have. That said, would France, Ireland, and New Zealand replicate the sort of the the all the things that England did well last night? That remains to be seen. You know, but because, yeah. like, well, what England did the things England did well, did well, they did very well. And, um, like, I know South Africa won, but, like, uh, maybe it was, it was just a, core. for me it was a case of England just not having an, another arrow in their quiver to win the game. They, they, whatever arrows they had, they used, and it just didn't have another one. They, that's the limited game um, that probably may have, could have been developed over the pool games, you know, the World Cup, I don't know. Um you know South Africa. You know South Africa got out of jail last night, and they were lucky enough to get in. And uh, I, I, I do think, um, Razzie overcomplicates things. You know, I'm not a fucking international coach, and I'm sure if a Kiwi or a Bokka listen to this, gone listen to this, fucking Paddy. But listen, I, think, <laughs> I think I think Razzie over overcomplicated things last night. His substitutions are baffling. Taking bit off forty minutes into the game.
2: That, that I, had to be a line out decision, though, because, like, to be fair, Mostert calling the line outs wasn't really the issue, which I understand. I'm kind of going on myself here. I, 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 it was I, the throwing. I'm you right putting
0: across it here. You've only so many line in the game. Evidence event is probably yeah. the best second row, best tight forward in the last 10 years. And you take him off, he t- continuously takes Khaleesi off.
2: Yeah, like, that, is, that one I don't is, get,
0: which is you know, this, this. You know, people have seen Khaleesi in the pool stages and other matches. Where he, even his ball ball handling skills, where he can pass out the back, he's got a skill set that he may probably made a mistake not starting Visa over Dwayne Vermoulin. Dwayne was anonymous in the game. He was supposed to be there for that. Uh, obviously, South Africa thought we're going to maul England, and England's maul defence was outstanding. They've never right. totally absolutely totally ridiculous. ridiculous. Like, yeah.
3: The it's so it's only yeah. Laws had a different level game on that. On that, the, the more defence. It was clearly they targeted it. You could tell. They, yeah. they 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 really targeted. They just people.
2: splintered it like they just came straight through. It told, like it's what I told you did when Saracens were in their pomp. He would just come straight through, sack the man, he'd get his hands on the ball, and you're going nowhere. Mm. Or maybe not on the ball, but on the man. And like it was the one in the was in the first half in the right hand corner or second half mm.
3: that was phenomenal. Yeah, was first half. phenomenal. And then the George Martin hit as well because it was the, it was a combination of the maul. They stopped yeah. the maul and then George Martin came around the corner and actually nailed him. Um, and that's where, that's basically the, 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 the South Africa try very cleverly. And this is why South Africa are world champions and why they are mm-hmm. in the finals because they are able to adapt. You know, that in the first half, mauled it, mauled it, mauled it. Second half, looked like he going to maul it, peel around the corner, expose Vinopolo and the fact that he doesn't he is. Often you know, with that first minute, he's not concentrating. Um and then you're over the try line. Um, you know, really clever, very clever um uh play by South Africa.
0: Yeah, I, I think also that Creel and De Alande were so quiet, they had no effect the game for at all. for two guys that have probably been in the form central partnership in the World Cup. Um just totally nullified. And you're right, that that you know, I hate picking on Billy, but you know, his his both his cameos were awful. Like that bit where he's he's sort of standing at the back of the at the mall, you know, he's he's nearly meant to be touching the mall and ready for that snipe. He really had one job and he fell asleep for a split second. Against the back row, Dean Fury isn't exactly Yardi Servia. You know, he's thirty eight. You know I mean he's not <laughs> he's not he's our Josh fan deflear, he's not that quick and Billy just fell asleep and but it, yeah, he just looked a guy that just didn't look switched on at all. So um yeah, look, South Africa I, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of Bob fans. If they, if they've been honest about it, realise they got out of jail last night, and their performance was poor, and they didn't adapt to conditions, they didn't adapt to England's press, they didn't adapt to England's aggressiveness. I just think England ran out of ran out of weapons to, to to see it over the line, or there was a lack of belief and a lack of a game plan that's been there for a year that just didn't give them that extra string in the bow that they needed I know I'm coming out with all the cliches here but <laughs> yeah, just yeah it's just uh, look, they're in the final more luck to them but uh, they'll, they'll have to be a, a lot better than that to beat New Zealand yeah
2: they will and we'll move on to New Zealand now because they were okay maybe they weren't as, at 100% like they were against Ireland but they were really really good it was a very entertaining attacking performance in particular as they of course returned to the final after that Forty-four-six win over Argentina, and I'll start with yourself, Tom. Like I, I know it wasn't much of a contest, and people were disappointed in it. But New Zealand were very impressive, and like it, there is a lot to be said about a team who finds form at the right time. And this, at the business end of the tournament, is exactly when you want to be finding form.
0: Contest is doing a lot of the heavy lifting here because. <laughs> As frustrating, you know, England came into the World Cup and, you know, we all knew England's form was quite poor coming into the World Cup and how frustrating Argentina were in that opening pool game. Well, this was it multiplied by five. They were they were awful. And and New Zealand, unfortunately, won that game somewhere between second and third gear. Like it was over 50 missed tackles by Argentina. I know the missed tackle stats can be a bit skews because you have shooters and people trying to push you back inside, but like, even when the stat is that high, that says a lot. Um they looked like a team that was happy to get to the semi-final and that was it. And I suppose getting the cliche out of the way, you know, sometimes with Argentina and their passion and this and that, you know, the, the whole Latin, that was non-existent either. There wasn't a bit of fight, they didn't get in New Zealand's faces. Had, you know, even Lavanini was keeping his mouth closed, you know. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I know there was times during the games where they felt a little bit frustrated with... um the referee, um, you know, I know Montaja was was not happy with with, with Gardner, and think they were hard done by in certain key elements in the first maybe twenty minutes. But yeah, as a contest, it, it wasn't. Uh, New Zealand won this game very very easily. Um, and on the back of the four quarterfinals last week, it was a it was a very disappointing semi final. Like all four were fairly competitive varying degrees, they were all good matches, like intriguing, entertaining. We didn't know what was going to happen till 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 the end. But this one was a complete blowout, and um, that's not New Zealand's fault. Um, but in some ways, it's fallen nicely for them. Um, they obviously spent you know whatever it was, tr- nearly three hundred tackles against Ireland to get that game before playing South Africa. Like they'll they'll bite your hand off and come back and bite your other hand for that. That was just. <laughs> You know, people might say it's not ideal perhaps, but Like, I guarantee you they'd rather not have another 250 plus tackle games to make again before they went to play South Africa in a World Cup final. Um, as for New Zealand, look, we all know we've all grown up looking at New Zealand at different ages. When the, when the ball is going forward and, and there's no slicker team in world rugby, they will absolutely destroy you. Like they're top of the choice scoring charts for no reason, for 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 a reason and. Because when they when they, they're ruthless, when they when, when when teams aren't playing full strength or, or or aren't at it, and Argentina just were so far off the races, you know. Um, we mentioned Bath earlier on, or we were talking about Bath, and uh, in the Premiership pre prepod, I remember Leinster going over in the hiding Cup playing Bath, and it was sort of that sort of a game, or just not at the races at all. So uh, look. It's very hard to read into New Zealand. We'll have to look back at the Ireland game for sort of form on on what they have to do to beat South Africa, and I'm sure South Africa will do the same thing and maybe look back against what went wrong against England. Um, but South Africa will learn a lot more from their semi final than New Zealand will, because yeah. it's it's a, it's near and, near impossible and to analyse you know where they're at um, on the basis of that game. Yes, the quarter final, but that game was just a one way traffic
2: unfortunately yeah no it was and it's probably even an added luxury to new zealand that they'll have that extra day advantage you know the fact that it was kind of set up that way you know it it nearly always is in terms of the draw but that they whoever came out of say um new zealand and new zealand and ireland would probably get that extra day advantage if if they they won their semi final but at the same time, just looking up here as you were speaking, it basically makes no difference in the last couple of finals. Like every second one has been won by the team with the day-less advantage. So maybe it's it's one of those talking points that, that doesn't need to be there. But Ed, as as Tom touched on, there's no better team with go forward ball and with acres of space at times than than New Zealand. Like it it was still impressive in the manner of how they got it done. Like I know they finished with fourteen men, some people were joking about that as well, because you know, Scott Barrett got a very a very suspectly lazy yellow card at the end. Yes. Yes. Um but like their ability to just hit that gear, put the foot to the throat and have the game won by the hour mark, it's, it's like New Zealand of old, even if they're they're not the team they were.
3: Yeah, I, I think, I, I I did see it. There's a lot of criticism about the game and, and about the, how, how one-sided it was. Um, and I think fundamentally, you, you've got to just go back and go, New Zealand can only play what's in front of them and what they played was brilliant. For for the first half, certainly, they just ripped them apart and they, they just had the, you know, as they put the foot on the throat and they kept pressing. Um, it's not New Zealand's fault Argentina had no answers. Um I, I and to a point, you know, as you say, if you're Argentina and you're thinking you're lucky to be there, as Tom said, or, that, or you're feeling that's your that's the peak that you're going to expect. Mentally, that's a really difficult place to go to. You think, oh, we can still get back into this game, and you're twenty points to six down or whatever. Um, it, it's a difficult place mentally to be um, if you don't really believe in yourself. So I I I, uh, I think it showed probably that killer instinct that New Zealand have lacked in the last few years, certainly since 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's a scary thought for South Africa because it was interesting, I thought, when we, we, we all watched that pre-World Cup game and South Africa gave New Zealand an absolute tune-in, um, particularly in the, up front in the pack. And I think if New Zealand can get par- can get parity or, you know, barely parity and just can kind of just keep that scoreboard ticking and, and really move that South African team around. You could see them doing something similar. I mean, I'm not saying South Africa have got that tenaciousness and they, I wouldn't expect them to just roll over like Argentina did. But you can definitely see in New Zealand, if they if they press on that gas and go for it, they could be two, three scores up. And it's a long way back, long way back uh, for a South African side. that's had to put two huge performances over in quarterfinals and semifinals. And New Zealand have basically had, you know, a really massive game against Ireland, a kind of a walkover against Argentina, and then, other than that, France game in the first in the first group game, which they didn't play badly in, they've had a bit of a they've had a, a quite nice easy journey through. Um, I'm not aware of many injuries, um, and I don't think the the Scott Barrett uh, that's going to be cited and moved up to a red or anything. I think that's just going to stay as a yellow. Um, you've managed to get a really amazing reaction out to layer you know, leave them out of the, leave him out of the quarterfinals for staying out a little bit past curfew, um, mm. which I, I mean, if fund again, brilliant decision, brilliant management, obviously they'd lost probably not the best, worst great bits management, but they have managed to manage to sneak past Ireland uh, and have got through. And then you've now got a player who's basically saying, oh, I want to be in the final and and had a great game. Um, and then you've got, you know, someone like Jordan on the wing, who's scoring tries for fun still, which is, almost seems illegal that he's every time he gets the ball, he scores a try. Um And I, it, 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 they are, they do look a really, really good team who've built into the tournament. Whereas say South Africa, you can definitely see them winning, but I'm just, I, I'm thinking I, my sort of opinion of it is I think they might get to a point now where they've just, they're just, they just haven't got a lot left. Uh It's a lot of effort, a lot of emotion that they've had to go through to get to this point. Um but um, one thing I would say, though, as well, just a final thing on on the the draw and the you know the, all of the things around the draw. And I, I know from an Irish point of view, there's a lot, quite understandably, there's a lot of annoyance about this. Um, it, it is it's clearly a flawed it was clearly a flawed concept, flawed concept because the World Rugby have dropped it for the next World Cup. <laughs> so yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I think I think, but I think the the what we've ended up with is the two best teams in the tournament playing each other.
1: So I, actually, I think that's
3: you know, I think I think overall that's that's that it's worked to a point. Um, apart from last night, all the other games were really competitive in the in the knockout stages. Sorry, last night. Sorry, Friday night. Um, yeah. And and you get games like this in every tournament. I mean, you think I think I think back to the World Cup final in two thousand and, and sorry nineteen ninety nine in France just got blown away by an incredibly good Australian side. Or um, you know, you go back to um, 2000 and uh or even even 2003 england france you know for england france just didn't turn up england played them off the park and didn't have to do a lot just kick points um uh so it happens and then you know the 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 football analogy is obviously 2014 germany seven brazil one those results happen it's weird it doesn't happen very often but it, it does happen so um I know there are a lot of Irish supporters probably quite annoyed that they weren't able to fully experience the the mauling of Argentina. I mean, there would have been a revenge upon revenge for that. And I, I saw, and so maybe there's a bit more extra bitterness to that um, they didn't get to have that fun. <laughs> I doubt, right. I doubt, I doubt there would have been the calling for though. This is this is the draw. See, this is what happens when you <laughs> not a bit. <laughs> no.
2: And to be fair, Jackie Hurley, the presenter on RT, she did make the point. Like if Ireland went out and won forty four six over Argentina, we'd be saying, well, right? We're in a great place, you know. Yeah. Like this could be the year." But it's just, it always changes. Like the picture always changes from being a neutral and being a fan. Like it's just. The nature of sport, really. Like, you know, I just want to get your thoughts, um, Ed on Argentina before we before we kind of move off. Because like they're in England's pool, as Tom said, they they just completely no-showed against England in the first game in Marseille. Yeah. And like there was kind of I, I think on this podcast particularly, we kind of questioned whether there was substance behind their revival when you look at the games they played, and like they did not boast their reputation one bit on Friday night. Like That's just I think in some ways you could just say it's just not good enough from them. The fact that they just weren't at the races at all.
3: Yeah, I I think I just think they are probably, as I said, semi final is about as good as they probably thought they could get before they started the tournament. Um, the 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 only performance I look they played they've because because they beat New Zealand recently in the in the autumn in the what I call the um the rugby championship there was that sort of perception, oh, it might happen again. You never know. But actually, normally what happens is they'll play well for 35, 40 minutes, and then eventually New Zealand just smash them, and they'll put 20, 30 points over them uh, at the end of the game. So that result last night really – or sorry, Friday night, I keep saying last night. Friday night was not unexpected. You know, let's be honest. It's New Zealand versus Argentina, 99 times out of 100. New Zealand will put 20 points, 30 points on them. Uh, and but you normally get a bit more of a fight. The 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 mysterious, the game that I can't quite fathom what happened was the England game, um, and maybe again it's just that England played the perfect game that night for the conditions and for the position they were in, and Argentina just didn't have the answers. Um, I, I don't know. It, it it seems to me that there's there seems to be a bit of a weird thing with Argentina that they they they, they want to play that really expansive, exciting, sexy rugby. But then you've got this almost themselves holding them back that they think, oh, we've got to kick it because the best teams kick it. Um, and it's not their natural game. Um, and the pack isn't quite as annoying as, like you said, Lavanini. You know, you always guarantee you get a yellow card out of him. I mean, he's not being... He hasn't seemed as combative. Um, the, the likes of... Um, Montoya and, and others, just they don't seem to be. They don't seem to have that sort of grit and n- annoyingness about them, which they always used to have. So I don't know. It's just maybe it's just it could just be it, they have got to the end of their their cycle and actually okay. just needed. They just need a a, a refresh. Um, uh, and check and to be really fair, it's Michael Checker, and I don't like Michael Checker, so it's quite funny. <laughs> um. <laughs>
2: Listen, I I was there. I was in Pro Park at the top of the Hogan Stand in two thousand and nine. When well, Leinster hand, handed her, handed us our arses, so I can double down on that. <laughs> to be honest, um,
3: just, mine's, you know. mine's from as an Australia, as an England fan in 2015, and just seeing Checker's smug face um, as they knocked out the tournament. Um, I was, yeah, it was nice to see him get handed, um, uh, a, a bit of a thumping.
0: Well, he, in fairness, to him, win, lose or draw, he also looks like a guy when he's coming there from the coach's boxes that he's ready to kick the referee's door in. <laughs>
3: <Okay>. <laughs> he only has one, uh,
0: yeah. So <laughs> I have a different view of Czech. He obviously. I, yeah, to, well, that's fair I,
2: enough. <laughs> I <can get> that. <laughs> and, and to be fair, he's, there are rumors of him moving on from the Argentinian job. He has done a good job, all things yeah. considered there. But as you said, there's probably that element of reaching their ceiling yeah. by getting to this semi final. And like, it's everything in perspective and everything is relative because Argentina, for them to beat Wales with 12 points, is a big result for them because, like, they sh- they showed they weren't that much better than Wales in that game. You know, Wales and Argentina are pretty level. They bet yeah. them by twelve points. They go through, and like that does have that knock-on effect. And then you- you're going to play New Zealand, who hammered you in your own backyard this year. You know, realistically, third is probably what Argentina were aiming for. Anyways, that does kick in. You know, especially with an older squad, as you said. And I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be overly critical, I think it's fair to ask the question, but I also wouldn't be hmm. wouldn't be overly critical. Um and just whichever you wants to jump in, is there anything you'd have taken away from that game then that looking ahead to the final? Or is it just kind of, yeah, I seen that coming in some regards?
0: As in, sorry,
2: as in as in for for New Zealand, like is there anything that you could say, well, you can look at this ahead of the final, be it, you know, the likes of Will Jordan's form or, or whatever.
0: I think the one, the the main for me, the main problem New Zealand have to sort between now and the final is their bench. Um, I'll be amazed if if either Finlay Christie or um, Damian McKenzie see any minutes in the World Cup final. I think Aaron Smith, like they did against Ireland, Aaron Smith and Richie Mwanga will see out the eighty minutes. Uh, Boden Barrett might have to slot the ten if he doesn't. So therefore. So what New Zealand do with their bench is a big thing for me I think they literally have a 21 man team at the moment because I, I really a barren injury I can't see those two guys getting anywhere near the pitch unless the game is out of sight if that game is in the pot and that therefore substitutions become a factor then they're only coming on when the match isn't a factor those two guys so there's, an, there's a strong argument for New Zealand to go at least 6-2 on on and having another back row player or on, on, alongside uh, probably Papalihi on the bench um, because the one consistent thing—forget uh, about the sort of, or maybe if you want to include the Twicken abomination against South Africa—but the games against France, the games against Ireland, where they won one, lost one, and you know they could have lost two—is they do do give up possession and territory, both France and Ireland, and as South Africa showed, that's not a game plan that will work against South Africa. So I, I think New Zealand will have to defend a lot like they did against Ireland. Um but for you know even more relentless. Um absolutely New Zealand have strike runners in open play to to get the try off, off lesser possession. But I, I think the big thing Foster has to do is, is sort out his bench for for South Africa. Um and even with that the two props um um it's Don't not fully interesting of them either they came on late right. against Ireland they got a good one to get an answer to Argentina but to be honest with you I think me and Ed could have come on against Argentina and prop for New Zealand <laughs> um, maybe that's a bit unfair to Argentina but I think it's very unfair to
3: Argentina if you're including me as a prop <laughs> probably, i
0: yeah. a... <laughs> we there were 40 points up and surely we couldn't lose but uh, I think that's the yeah I just New Zealand's bench isn't, hasn't been tested uh, and and they haven't gone to their bench in games where they have been tested and i don't know what they can do different besides bringing maybe another back row in but that for me that'll be the interesting thing when the squads are named to see will new zealand do anything different um because i, I again I'll, if, i presume the game will be will be unless south africa are emotionally spent from tough enough pool and, and and you know the matches against france and and then against england um unless they're a little bit emotionally spent because they do rely on emotion you know what i mean they're, how often you can get up that you know the South African team, Kalusi leading it. So, but and and it's bigger than the, the team and the country and all this sort of stuff. I don't know how often you can go to that well every single time. You can't keep going to that well, you know, all of the time. Um, I, I just that's the biggest thing for me to to for for New Zealand, I should say to to try and work out between now and 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 when the squads are named, I, I, for, because for me that in some ways they are sort of playing with a twenty man team. Because uh, they're they're they less of trusting of their their rever- reserve props. Um, Coles and Whitelock will come on, all right, no doubt. If Whitelock is on the bench and and Ritalik starts, um, or vice versa, um, Papalihi will get her own. But you know, after that, they're 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 very hesitant about trusting what's on the bench, and they'll need to do something. Um, as we as Ed touched on it, South Africa will be there, and will doesn't matter if they're ten points down with ten minutes to go. If those same props come on, Ox and and uh, Fury come on in the back row and Quagga comes on and all of a sudden uh, South Africa start to find some front football they've shown against France and they've shown against England that they will win it at the death when they need to. And, you know, New Zealand have been in that position against Ireland where they held on at the death. But uh, I, 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 I think they'll need something more against, against uh a fresh South Africa, which I don't know if they are or not, to to yeah. to, 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 to 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 guarantee a win, but to win.
3: I think I think the big the other thing as well. Is, well there's two aspects. One is the uh, discipline. You mentioned it, kind of Tom, really, but which is about the making sure you're not giving away possession and territory. Mm. So if New Zealand can can replicate the last five minutes they did against Ireland, which the 37, or well, three minutes against Ireland with thirty-seven phases, where not and actually being very very clever, waiting for the opportunity and going mm. in at the right time. If they can do that prolonged that will be a massive uh, massive thing and then the other aspect i think the other bit as well is for new zealand is they what they need to do and what france didn't do and what england tried to do but didn't really get the opportunities because the scrum went against them is just build that scoreboard pressure i get the feeling new zealand have got the they've got the players and they've got the ability that they can just go right for the next twelve, ten, fifteen minutes, every time we get in there twenty-two, it's going to go for a drop goal. And I, I get that's probably the only thing South Africa just can't. They, you know, you can't defend a drop goal if you do it properly. There is no way to defend a drop goal. And I get the feeling that New Zealand have got the the right players, the right technicians. You can do that on a regular basis, um, and and makes South Africa even if. And then then you're put making them stress. You're making them make mistakes. Um, and just keep the ball anywhere near the, from anywhere near the scrum. Don't let them, <laughs> particularly when Ox and Che and, and, uh, and, and other people come on, You know, just don't let them get into a position where they can take three, four scrums, get on that side of the referee, and that then becomes an issue. Well, but the, I, I, yeah. the
0: Templars was there against Ireland. They didn't give us one scrum on our own ball. No. We had no scrums in that game, not one. And I'm not saying it would have been an attacking weapon, but it just shows the quality of the handling from New Zealand's. For eighty
3: minutes not to cough up one scroll. No. And then and then all you're doing really then as well is if you can kick the ball. Um and they do again, they have the players that can that can play territory. Um it, it, it's a really fascinating final. I mean, the fact that you've got the two most successful nations in World Cup history playing against each other, one of them is going to end up with a fourth World Cup. What mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's it's like and the fact that the last time they played in a World Cup final was the mandela final and i imagine new zealand will be steering clear of any catering outside catering um this time um, <laughs> um, um
2: it's it was the outside um it was the outside um i can't think of the right word not oh, jeez, i can't i can't think of the right word but well, it was the outside perspective really, they
0: make their own food you know rugby
2: values they're all in the kitchen they're <laughs> cooking their own dinner and well, if they can move yeah. a Land
3: Rover, they can definitely chip in and make a make a bolognese, can't they?
2: They they definitely did some damage to that car with the way They, they moved it as well. Like
3: it was. I, just like, that, I just like the idea that I just the idea the bloke was stood there with it. Where it's like, I'll I'll move it, lads. It's fine. I'll move it. No, 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 no. You wait. We, we've got this. Is going on TikTok TikTok. You have to wait now. Yeah.
2: Some some poor young lad with a tripod having to film it like just not necessary. New Zealand. I won't say bashing. Rugby values bashing aside. <laughs> As you said, it like the only final between these two sides was 1995, which, which seems crazy, you know, because mm. it, it feels like it's been the rivalry of the last 40 or 50 years. South Africa have never lost a World Cup final. Um, New Zealand, that's the only World Cup final they've ever lost. Yeah, like there's there's so many different parts. I start with yourself, like which way do you see it going, and 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 how do you see that game being won? Because I mean, in reality, there's about seventeen different ways this game could be won or lost.
3: Yeah, I think New Zealand won't do what England did. They won't. They won't just kick and and put pressure on the wings. They will play because it's New Zealand. Um, I my feeling is I I tend towards New Zealand just because I think as this tournament has gone on, they've improved and improved and improved. Um, you know, even daft stuff like the hammering of Italy, the fact that they didn't stop. That it, that as soon as they got because normally what happens you get to forty fifty points you make your substitutions the tempo's lost people start doing things and they knock it on and they didn't do that they just kept going and I know news I know Italy caved and gave up but that I that was the game I thought oh hello they might be interestingly this could be interesting particularly when they get to the quarterfinals I think they got very lucky. You know, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on your pod, Ken, but that they, they did get very lucky against Ireland. I think um it was a couple of decisions, a couple of a couple of errors uh ended up getting putting going their way. But I just think they've got so many attacking threats. Um and I think if they can if they can build a score, that's the thing. If they if they can build a score, get ten, twelve points ahead with twenty minutes to go, I think it's asking a lot. For even if you have the, the 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 bomb squad and all the rest of it come on, I think it's asking a lot for South Africa to to chase that down. If it's tight, if if we are talking one score into the last ten minutes, I might tend towards South Africa just because of they they because they've done it. You know, they've done it against France and against England. And there's always something to be said
2: for a team who's just been there, done that, and they had to do it the last World Cup as well. Yeah, against like Wales, it was, it was against Wales, and even the the first half was, was cagey enough against England in that game. I know they, they pulled clear eventually, helped by the, um, was the Lacan Uama got the, the try? Uh, yeah, Lacan Uama
3: and then Colby finished off at the end. Yeah. So thanks, like for, that... thanks for reminding me.
2: <laughs> and that's, that was not my intention. Tom sure yeah. jumped in there and said, hey, really. But like, it, it, they do have, they've had to go and just grind it out. New Zealand, we don't know can they do it yet. And to be fair, if they do go and grind it out, in a big game, there's no better place to do it than in a World Cup final. No. Tom, I'll, I'll come to you as well. Like, which way are you leaning as as of now for for this one?
0: Well, first of all, the, the, the one reason I'm disappointed, in England, out there, we're deprived of the riveting face-off in the press conference between Portwick and Ian Foster. <laughs> 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 that would have been fun. Oh, no. <laughs> that would have been fun. Yeah, char- charisma
3: charisma and charisma too. Yeah. I know. So. <laughs> but, charisma uh, I two really, is the bigger question.
0: Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, that would have been uh, that would have been fun. Look, yeah, it's like it's hard to disagree with what, what anything Ed said there. It's it could go several different ways. Um the criticism I said earlier on about that's about uh Khaleesi constantly getting hauled off early actually might pay off because They've only played two half games, basically against France, or a little more than a half game against France, and against England. And you know, there's there's two guys that you you, you could argue would be in a you know World Fifteen pack if you were to sit down and to us name a team. So they could be a little bit fresher than than, and they'll need that as well. Um, uh, the weakness, as I pointed out, maybe in the New Zealand bench, um, surely. I'd say Bongi must be running on fumes at this stage for a hooker and he's going to have to do another, like the whole Fury hooker experiment against Ireland, back for it. And, uh, you know, they called up Am and he's not nowhere to be seen. And, you know, where's the hooker? You know, that's another, you know, what's, what's the point of that there? Like, you know, Razzie has made some really weird calls in this World Cup and he's gotten away with it. Um, by the skin of his teeth, and and that, that's another weird one, you know. But he he get a free pass because you know he'll he'll he he's he's won the games, but um th- that that we've been saying for now a few weeks that might come back and bite him in the ass if Bongi gets injured during the game. I think that's that could be the game nearly gone. Um,
3: well, and, I mean, he, he meant he, well. There are rumours he might not even be able to play anyway. If, depending on uh, if what he said to <laughs> Ben Curry is true, um,
2: yeah, I feel I feel like that's gonna die down. Based on yeah, what I, Curry th- said th- I think I
3: think Ben Curry, to be fair to him, has kind of tried to stop it. I think he said, "Look, there's no point talking about it. Let's move on," which seems fair.
0: Yeah. I've heard I've, I've seen online a lot of Afrikan translations and Yeah,
3: there. there's some very desperate Afrikaans translations. Um <laughs> yeah, so the balls free... the balls in the the balls at the side, apparently. That's that's what he said. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh but yeah, look, I, I I slightly favor South Africa, um, but not by a whole lot. Um I I it'll be interesting to see what the you know, the tacticians come up with in both squads, whether it be Joe Smith, who's obviously made a difference in New Zealand, um, since he's come in there and uh and and what Razzie does. Well, there's still look to be a bit of disquiet on the South African boxes. There was a lot of raised voices throughout the game. You could see at one stage Felix Jones and Razzie seem to be going at each other uh, about something or other. So um yeah, it's 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 I forget it, but I'm not, I'm not even sure if I a Star Trek fan. It was called the 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 unwinnable situation where we don't want uh, we don't want either to win. Uh, as an Irish fan, I couldn't really care less who wins. I'm just looking for a good final, and um, yeah, just I think South Africa just because they've been through the mill a few times in close games.
3: What do you think, Ed? Well, as I like Ken has gone. So, um I, yeah, I think I think you're right. It's going to be close. I mean, that's the fund. That's the thing. It's going to be close. I, I I'd like. I personally would like to see New Zealand win over South Africa. Um, I'm I'm a bit tired of the Razzie show. I don't know if that's a, a thing just for maybe just English supporters, but it, I'm a bit a bit, a bit bored and tired. It's a bit no, like. No, I agree as well.
0: He's too smart for his own good.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a bit like Eddie Jones as well. I just think you know you get to there's you get so much of a shtick, and you think actually, do you know what? I'd 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 rather we just concentrated on the rugby rather than some bloke mouthing off on Twitter or you know doing all these weird and wonderful things. And and I I, I would love it. I'd love it if not to go all Kevin Keegan. I would love it if uh, something controversial happens and uh, and and in New Zealand get a nice late winner. Just to annoy Razzie, um, that would be quite nice. But actually, what I really want is a really good final. Well, I mean, if we can get if we can get something close to how good nineteen ninety five final was, I'm old enough just to remember it. Um, anything as good as that would be nice. Um, I think um, we, we, we're we due a we're due a good a good World yeah. Cup final.
0: We're going after sort of a Kiwi Journal during the week was a bit. You know, I don't know if you'd seen that.
3: Ben yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's just, it's just it's just it seems to be it, it's. It, it, I don't know if it's like the Alex Ferguson, Jose Mourinho style thing. He's just trying to deflect. But I just think to myself, look, there's a game of rugby. And actually we talk about rugby values and a lot of the stuff that's happened in the last three, four years where they that erosion of rugby values, you could almost argue that Razzie has been the person that has been the starter of some of that. And I think actually getting back to uh, the, the respect for the referees, um, moving away from this idea that everything, everything Always comes down to the referee's fault when actually you've got 80 minutes of rugby where you can make you can make a big difference. It doesn't have to be the referee and a scrum, um, as, I, as I mentioned at the beginning. Owen Farrell has got his own self to blame for mouthing off at the referee. Um, it's nothing to do with uh, who's hinging in a scrum on the 77th minute. Yeah, it? yeah it was, it's like, it's, Sorry,
2: Kayla.
0: Uh, like uh, the reaction after Dupont. You know, Dupont. Went out of his own World Cup. He had the whole fractured cheekbone. He is literally plastered and everything. I you know I've been over in Paris left the game, a few games. He's the face of the World Cup. Hmm. And did that press conference after the game. Yeah, he said it wrong, but there was no league with He didn't sit down like the week after and make a hour long video on fucking YouTube complaining no. about it. Showing, you know what I mean. So you know the the whole moral high ground there. Like really, come on. You Know the, the guy was an emotional pitch straight after game, gutted. Yeah, he was disappointed with the referee, but you know, DuPont is normally quiet as a mouse. You know, I've seen we've all seen him for France and Toulouse, and he's he's the he's a top pro. We all know how good he is. And um, if he was frustrated, then fine, I'll give him a pass. But like, it's not like he's he's taking the social media with 15 different alt accounts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no previous with DuPont, there's no. No past comments, there's no nothing. And like, even I made this point last night when I seen it. Like, I can forgive Antoine DuPont, as you said, being the poster boy of this World Cup since what 2021? Like, not Mm -hmm. even just this year, but like the last two or three years. And he's hurt and he had been injured and he didn't have his best game on the night. I can forgive all that. But then you also have the tireless ref debate that goes on that has been going on all week. And, like, I know Ben O'Keefe was, was booed in the stadium last night and now one's on the fans. But, like, if you're asking the question that, or if you're saying that Ben O'Keefe cost England the game in front of millions on TV, what do you expect is going to happen afterwards?
3: Yeah, Delalio is way know? out of order. Massive, yeah, and I don't mean, know if you've seen this. Delalio is massively out of order. It's just not It's not acceptable. And and I think that it's, it's... it. And I'm not saying Razzie is entirely to blame for this, but I think it's just, it, is, it feeds into this increasing narrative and again you know you, you you want to i want who i want to win i want to win i want the team that doesn't annoy me and Africa annoy me um <laughs> they 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 just the constant chatting the constant like fafta clerk brilliant brilliant player but all he does is whinge i mean one of the reasons again looking from outside and in one of the reasons why bless him johnny sexton got gets a lot of grief from opposition supporters is because of the uh, Perfect. Perception is because of what, you know, his 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 whing moaning or perception of the whinging moaning. Danny Dan Bigger, brilliant player. Everyone hates him because or dislikes him because he's always whinging and moaning. People don't really like um you know, you think about some of the Saracens players, like Owen Farrell, because the whinging and moaning. There's a competitive edge to it, but you, you can be respectful and you can ask the question. I thought Joe Marler was a good example last night. I think there was a penalty against Joe Marler, uh, for I think possibly hands in the ruck. Yeah. And he, so he just said to O'Keefe, he said, next one though, ref. And O'Keefe went, yeah, next one. Wink in his eye. And, that, you know, you can do it and you can play with it and you can be nice and you can be cheeky and you can do all these little things which you can do in a, in a far more respectful, far more what rugby values in vert commas way. And I just like that to be hopefully what the finals remembered for yeah, and not for. You're,
0: you're, you're dead right, Ed, and, I, I, and, and this comes, you're right. A lot of it comes down to the players. The one, the one criticism I would have O'Keefe was the chirping started from the get go from both yeah. teams? You could hear it visibly through the mics. Every rook was, there was, there was from both sides. And look, I'm an affiliate referee, which is, you know, referee youth rugby in Leinster. And, and not, you don't have to say that to underage players. You, you, you just, there's none of that goes on because it's not accepted. And it's not accepted in any division in England. No. Uh, I haven't been over there. It's not, you know, it's in Munster or wherever you want to be. You, it's just not a given. You You speak to the referee, which, respect but it's this constant it's like screaming for offside every two seconds and keep I felt just needed to really stamp that out the first few minutes because I think if you let players away with that then they don't listen to you around key decisions so they don't the respect level seems to drop and then the game starts to get messy and then then all of a sudden it opens it up to the players going in off their feet or this and the other. I know I know it's too simple to say O'Keefe should have been a bit more firm with the, the the chirping and and and, but it is a it is a bit of a problem. I, and this is nothing to do with rugby putting themselves on some pedestal against fucking football or whatever. It's nothing to do with that. It's just that the nature of the game and and how the game is played it's physical. Um, you can hurt players if you want. Um, so therefore you have to have respect for your opposition because if you don't, you could really hurt somebody. And you know that extends to the referee having respect for him, or her. And and if, if if that sort of ebbs away from the game from both the coaches and the players and the referees sort of let it happen a bit, you know, like O'Keefe did I felt, you know, it's not a
3: great road I think to go down for our for our sport. No. I mean the good news is because England are out, we're gonna probably get Wayne Barnes. So that, that's
2: that that's that. the reporting this evening anyway, that'll be
3: that'll be Wayne Barnes, which is I think so, surely. <laughs> he's a friend of our pod and we'd be like we did we'd be delighted i mean that'd be, a, that'd be a great boon you know but um <laughs> maybe not for a world cup final but... <laughs> no maybe not for a world cup final that might be a pushing it a tad
2: There's still i heard well the reports anyway are that they're waiting on Jacob piper's fitness to see who gets the third fourth place game which is a, a new one in rugby i can't say i've heard that one before
3: I think, isn't it? I mean, you, you're assuming that Jakob Eibis is his last ever game, isn't it? That's the. I'd say so. Yeah, that would be, or certainly last ever international game. Um, and I'm assuming that's also going to be the um, the the case for Wayne Barnes. I can't see him maybe if he gets no. World <laughs> Cup final. I don't. I don't think that'll be. They'll be doing much more after that. Which and and he has been a wonderful referee for yeah. for a long time. Um, and I, I from for, as an Englishman and as a guy who who. He lives at. He came comes from just down the road. He comes from Lydney which is like you know six seven miles down the road from where we live. So, um, be nice for a, a local lad to get the World Cup final. Yeah, absolutely, be
0: good. I thought Luke Pierce was a little bit unlucky not to get. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Very. He
3: seems to be the heir apparent. Um, and yeah, and this, again, yeah.
2: yeah, It was it was very odd. And even I put in a poll in a group there today about Pierce Sparrens or even Amish Kelly, and Amish Kelly got a good vote and he had a good tournament. Mm. I don't see him. We see world will be giving them the final, but it is yep. good to see there are refs coming through and doing well. Nika is very young. Luke Pierce is still relatively young. Um, even some of his assistants, the likes of Karen Dixon, Christoph Ridley, who could well be the assistants at the weekend, they're young yep. enough as well, and and so on. And like ref chat is boring, but if we are praising them, it's not. <laughs> it's not near as bad. It's the um, you know, you got X amount of decisions wrong That's the issue. As lads, you may have noticed Mike laptop dropped in the middle of your prediction so just in a word Ed who's winning on Saturday New Zealand Tom
0: I was saying South Africa all along but Ed keeps reminding me how annoying South Africa are (laughs) (laughs) well I'll stick with South Africa I think yeah just I'm worried about that New Zealand bench Mm -hmm. from the last 10 minutes and 15 minutes I'm worried about the depth of it and the player they won't use so in a word sorry two words South Africa
2: I have said at the start of the tournament that it'll be South Africa Ireland final. Ireland beat South Africa in the pool. Ireland beat New Zealand. South Africa beat us in the final. Yeah. So South Africa beat New Zealand. My entire tournament predictions was off by one game. So kind of <laughs> want to go for that. Never mind the whole chantline or guest name and thing. My tournament predictions could come up very very good if <laughs> if we get come up with it. Lance, thank you very much for joining me. It's been. Brilliant, and not just to talk about the games, but even a bit of bigger picture chat there at the end is is always good to get as well. And for coming on for the duration of the World Cup as well, it's always great to get an outside perspective like your own, Ed, in particular. And to everyone at home, thank you very much for joining me. I'll be back later this week with preview and recap pods of the final and maybe a bit on the third, fourth place game as well, I suppose. And you can also catch me on episode three of the Red Army podcast which returns this week as we look at Munster's victory over the Sharks at the weekend. As always, thanks at home to the lads for coming on and to everyone for listening. If you like what you see here, please do subscribe. you find the links for my channels below, as well as the lads' Twitter pages and, and so on and so forth for as long as that's around at the very least. But
1: for now and until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.